If you like what you hear, consider subscribing and giving us a review over on Apple Podcasts. Especially early in the feed, subscriptions and reviews are super helpful for bringing new listeners our way. Thank you. All right. There is a tweet that, uh, I mean, I'm trying to jump right into it. Wow. Uh, <laughs> we're leaving all this in, by the way. <laughs> all right. I'm going to, I was just going to give you, us, what is this? <laughs> I'm just going to give it five seconds. One for me to get rid of the giggles and two, uh, so that we could actually do a proper intro. All right. Hold on. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Goblins and Growlers podcast. I'm Josh Maltby at Black Cloak DM on Twitter. And I'm Brandon Dingus at Way of Brandalore on Twitter. And Josh is very eager to talk about something. Lord, I'm so eager to talk about this. So uh, also on Twitter at Panzer Lion posts, or I'm sorry, at POC Gamer. Panzer Lion is the name they're currently going under. Um, People say 5e is the greatest and insist on how it's able to deal with anything. But if people also noticed how few major IPs select D&D as their baseline for games, Avatar is going to be powered by the apocalypse. Dragon Prince is Cortex. Star Wars is the narrative dice system. I have I have thoughts and opinions on this. OK, I'm here for that. So the the first issue that I run into is that D&D is the it's the big fish in the pond. Mm hmm. That means D&D is hard to license, bro. Yeah. Like if you're going to be if you're going to be trying to run something in a specific kind of setting, um, you need to you're especially these companies for things like Dragon Prince, which is not something that's made a ludicrous number of dollars. You're going to want to pick up a system that's not going to try to skim off the top as you create something in that system. On top of that, D&D is setting dense. Like, there is a lot of stuff established in D&D. You've got the Forgotten Realms, you've got Greyhawk, you've got Dragonlance, you've got Spelljammer, you've got Eberron. But it's all fantasy rooted. True. But I, I think the author of the tweet, I think, has a point in that uh, D&D is a very specific system that does have limitations on what it's good for running. Like, I wouldn't try to run a horror game in D&D off the bat. If I was trying to create a horror setting, I probably would choose something like Call of Cthulhu, mm -hmm. or if I wanted a lot of flexibility, something like Powered by the Apocalypse. I feel like they're, like back in second edition, there was some good horror options with the Ravenloft brand. Uh, just because they had some mechanics changes then that um, helped facilitate it a little bit. And also they here's all right. Here's an example of D&D &D breaking out of the uh, breaking out of its mold. So they had uh, sort of a spinoff of Ravenloft back in the day, and it was um, set on a gothic earth. So it was like a Victorian era earth, like uh, it was Mask of the Red Death, Jack the Ripper kind of stuff. And so like wizards became adepts, fighters became soldiers, uh, very, very um, kind of, uh, you know, around the world in 80 days, 20,000 leagues under the sea kind of stuff. 
I never actually got to run a game in that setting, but I kind of liked the atmosphere that it built. But I don't know if mechanically the horror aspects worked out. I always feel like horror and, you know, we're not trying to talk specifically about horror necessarily, but it's it's a good example. I think a lot of that, I think. All right. I think if you're trying to run a horror game, your first mistake is relying too much on the mechanics to help facilitate your horror game. I think inherently that has to come from the strength of the teller and the story. I think that's fair. Although on the flip side of that, there's something to be said for the real world tension that is built in a Dread Tower or a Seven Candles game. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying mechanics don't have a place in it. They certainly do, because you need that framework to help construct your story. But using a horror system isn't going to automatically get you a horror game without the proper like storytelling to go along with it. I guess that was the point I was trying to make. Like the the system, the system ain't everything in, in either direction. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's some systems are definitely more adept at being used for horror games because the mechanics reflect how everything is going to run. The mechanics reflect more of the building of tension because when you're just playing a game you're just rolling dice and you're just making commands then there's nothing there's nothing inherently spooky about any of that so mechanics can mm-hmm. help build that sort of tension but i think you're right i think at the end of the day if you want something to be really spooky you're gonna have to rely on the storyteller of that narrative to build something that is truly horrifying mm-hmm yeah, absolutely. But like, I don't want us to drill down too much on horror on this because this is a bit broader of a conversation about, you know, you talked about D&D being sort of the the 800 pound gorilla in the room yeah. in terms of tabletop RPGs, which it is. But that doesn't automatically translate to it also being like the type O blood donor of TTRPG. Like it don't work for everything even though even though it's the big thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I think the point I was more trying to make is that these companies that are releasing their own settings in their own universes with their own characters and stories and things like that, they're not looking for something that they're going to have to license necessarily. They're looking for something that's a little more open source, something where they're going to be like, oh, yeah, we credited the authors of the system and they said that was good enough because that uh-huh. brings more players to them. Counterpoint, um, the uh, last year announced 5e uh, adaptation of Power Rangers as a tabletop role playing game, which is being produced by Renegade Game Studios on the 5e system. And they're doing it in partnership with Hasbro. They've also done other um, uh open gaming 5e open gaming license games so the the game's not out yet as we're talking about this so i have no idea how effective the mechanics are for it but here's an example of a gaming company that was like okay we're gonna make this power rangers game we're gonna make it based on 5e i believe power rangers is owned by hasbro now so that probably has something to do with it being a D D based system because I'm sure 
if this game company approaches Hasbro is like, you have these two properties that we want to try and make something out of that will make you money. Like it will take money from both buckets and create a third bucket where you'll get money from both. Uh, so that probably has something to do with it. But it'll be really interesting to see how they take 5e OGL and adapt it to Power Rangers. Because I originally, when I was trying to write a Power Rangers game a couple of years ago, I I wanted to I wanted to initially do 5e, probably for some of the same reasons that they wanted to approach, you know, Wizards and Hasbro and Wizards about this, because like with 5e being the 800 pound gorilla, it's the thing that most people know. And it's going to get you the broadest market share if you develop a game with that, especially if you have another legacy IP like Power Rangers on top of it. Ultimately, I felt like I was shoving a square peg in a round hole trying to make that work. I could see how that would be the case, particularly as it pertains to doing things like the transformation sequence, handling things like social interactions outside of their adventure personas i guess like when they're when they're not morphin suited up mm -hmm. when they're civilians yeah exactly i don't know i feel like D D 5e especially i don't i don't know as much with the previous editions because i didn't drill down as deep into how those mechanics worked at a core level i feel like 5e is the most flexible that dnd's ever been from a rules standpoint and so I think you could adapt lots of stuff, but I think there's something to be said for Hasbro is probably fairly litigious. Uh, you'd you'd have to use only 5e SRD stuff otherwise. And mm -hmm. the SRD stuff, if you all have looked at the SRD, it's good. It's got a fair amount to it, but it's not nearly as robust. Yeah, um, it's perfectly fine. If people try or if somebody's kid is interested in getting into D&D &D and somebody asks me, like, how should I go about that? I'm always like, don't spend any money because they may not like it. And then you're out between 50 and one hundred and fifty dollars. Just get the SRD. You know, you can get it printed up <laughs> and then just have let them use that until they get tired of it or if they want to get something else. Yeah, it's the equivalent of somebody being like, my kid wants to do drums and being like, well, don't go buy an entire drum kit. Yeah. Use something basic first. See if they actually are interested in it. I do see the argument where it's like D&D &D is not made for everything. But I think D&D &D is made for more than uh, the Twitter post surmises. And I think a lot of the reason why people avoid it is because they want to they don't necessarily want to feed into the 800 pound gorilla. I think mm -hmm. it's less about the flexibility of the system and it's more about how big D&D &D already is. Mm -hmm. And a lot of creators, especially as they look into doing things like homebrewing entire settings, they want to have as much freedom for their creativity as they can get their hands on. Yeah. I mean, I guess for me, I'm, I can already tell what's about to come out of my mouth is going to make me sound really pretentious and i don't mean it that way <laughs> but like for me the story is more important than the mechanics most of the time when i when i'm trying to do something so i if there's a system that's going to work perfectly fine uh it's already a structure within which i can build something that's great because then i can focus on the story 
which is, is what interests me. But I know like there are a lot of people who are crunchier than I am and they want to have like, I guess the, the tabletop role playing game equivalent of like a high powered, like, like tuned engine that's just firing on all cylinders mechanically. This actually raises a question, which I think is a good uh, kind of like a segue topic, which is how crunchy do you like your settings and systems to be? Because I know for me personally, I don't need a lot of crunch to feel really satisfied with how a game it runs. No, I don't. And like, I'm super bad. Like I get the, I mean, I'm babbling. So let me collect my thoughts for a second and start over here. <laughs> sure. But, but we can keep all this in. But from what I read of other people's opinions on this, I get the impression that I am kind of an outlier, especially as somebody who plays uh, predominantly D&D uh, &D, uh, instead of another system. Like when I'm running a combat encounter, I adjust numbers on the fly for whatever is going to be more fun for the player, more fun for me, what's going to suit the story better. Like if somebody has just been missing when they've been attacking a character or a, an enemy uh, multiple times, I'm going to give them one at some point because that keeps people having fun and keeps them engaged. If I feel like the combat's going on too long, I'm going to change the amount of hit points that the thing has. Like it for me it's more about pacing and flow than it is like I must obey the dice, must obey the numbers. And it's like fine if you want to play that way. It's just not something I enjoy. For me, I I I'm in a similar kind of boat. I'm not actually convinced that you and I are outliers in that we don't like a super crunchy game. Because 4E sure did get swapped out for 5E really quickly on the grand yeah. scale. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's possible that those are just like the loudest people in the public space. I think that's the thing is I think the people who are the crunchiest, the people who are the most dedicated to the rules and making sure that the system really has a lot of bite to it are the same mm -hmm. kind of people that you're going to find on Twitter talking loudly about how they can't believe the latest balance has uh, the UA for clerics is really out of control or something like that. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff I don't keep up on. Like I pay attention every once in a while when the UA comes out because I'm like, oh, this is cool. But I'm always reading it more for like flavor than anything. I mean, I think I pay more attention to the UA when we're running live games because mm -hmm. I know that those sorts of characters are going to show up at my table and I, I don't want to be completely fleeced by a new player. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's fair. And I sort of rely on you to handle that so I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I've not been great about it lately, so, you know, <laughs> hopefully you haven't needed to rely on me too much uh, uh, in the well, past couple of months. Well, we haven't had any live games running for about well, a year and a half. So yeah, that's true. I think I think for me, part of it is that like I want a little bit of crunch because I want something to base everything off of. But I mostly want that crunch to make narrative sense. Mm -hmm. So as long as everything lines up narratively, like you were saying, I tend to modify things on the fly. Um, I'm very much a fail forward kind of DM. So even when it comes to combat, if I've got a player that's just rolling really poorly, then I, I'm going to set it up so that that player may not be hitting the creature, 
But every now and then they're going to do something like grant their next ally advantage on their roll because like they swing and the creature goes to dodge and stumbles over a rock or something, you know, something that opens them up for a nice hit on their next attack, that sort of thing. You're creating opportunities for people to have fun. Yeah. And admittedly, some of those concepts I've borrowed from other systems, um, but I don't think D&D would play quite so easy with like the Fantasy Flight Games Star Wars system. Like it, right. it's a it's a whole other creature that runs massively differently. I can take concepts from that and work it into my own table, but I I don't know. I I feel like the crunch, the biggest draw of the crunch should be giving you a platform that when you do your creative stuff off of it, it helps make the narrative more interesting. Give me an example. So, for instance, uh, you're playing a character who's really good at acrobatics um, and then you get a critical wound on a critical wound table. It gets rolled and it comes up. He loses a hand. Mm-hmm. Well, he's not going to be doing handsprings down one hand, at least not for right. a little bit. Right. And so it becomes a situation where now you need to explore this character. First of all, not being quite as good at the thing he's normally very good at. And then on top of that, he has to deal with, you know, where where do I go from here? Do I try to find an advanced enough healer to where they can put a hand back on me? Do I get a prosthetic and work with that? Um, do, you, what, do you get one of those cool Aquaman hands made of water? Ooh, yeah. Or a uh, Finn the human hand, uh, which is literally a grass sword. like there's there's a lot of cool options that you can explore narratively based on consequences from mechanical roles Mm -hmm. i guess it's sort of like you just have to summon up the creativity within yourself to explore those yeah like the thing is i don't expect a book to come up with those situations and scenarios for me uh Mm -hmm. if a if a book is coming up with all of those situations and scenarios for me and I'm not running a module, then uh, that's that's a lot to read. It's a mm-hmm. lot to read. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I'm like, whenever I write something, I'm always guilty of like writing too much to explain, like, here's what you should do here. And here's what you should do here. <laughs> I mean, there's something to be said for that, because like we were talking kind of recently about Rime of the Frostmaiden and how neither of us are likely to run it as it stands. I think that it's kind of a similar issue where we write things looking at the other stuff that's being written, not necessarily how we run things for ourselves. Right. So it's possible that when you write out those extra details that the people who read them are like, oh, this is really helpful. And that the few people who are like, I'm probably not going to use that information are much like us in that they kind of skim over it and they're like, oh, that's neat. Oh. I'll adapt that to something else later on down the road. Yeah, I I think I think we work very closely with one person who just skims over stuff and does their own thing. (laughs) I I don't think Alan has run a single adventure I've ever written him. Just his own drum, man. And the beat goes on. And you know what? People are here for it. And I support that. Like. It's it's fantastic. I can't run a table like that, but I respect the hell that he can. Um, so what other thoughts do you have about 
D&D and its adaptability or lack of adaptability. Well, this is for this other is stuff. Kind of where I was going with my crunch segue is that I think D&D 5e in particular achieves a really stellar balance of crunch and narrative to create something that is both easily accessible and very comfortable to get into and simultaneously it's something that has enough crunch to it that when you really explore when you really get down into the rabbit hole you find a lot of neat stuff that you can do with characters that's really fascinating and sometimes really confusing mm -hmm. especially for other people at your table right <laughs> If you had to uh, pick a system as sort of a generic baseline to adapt other stuff, what would it be? And you cannot say GURPS. Honestly, probably uh, the first thing that comes to mind is powered by the apocalypse. But as I say that, I'm thinking about the like mixed mixed success and things like that setup of it and i don't really love that it's always seemed like a lot of work for the gm for me to have to figure that stuff out well not only is it a lot of work for the gm but it means that actually succeeding at things is so much more difficult from a die rolling standpoint we're just going to leave this silence in here as indicative <laughs> of how long you're thinking about this three hours later uh, you know, I don't actually know. Like, I feel like D&D &D 5e is the system that I understand the best. I feel like a D20 system is a lot better adjusted than a lot of people give it credit for. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a reason why D&D &D is the 800 pound gorilla in the room, and it's not just marketing. Mm -hmm. I think I think a D20 system with skills baked on top of that i think that's really a great way to be and i can't think of a more open source d20 system at the moment and admittedly that could be a failing on my part for having not explored more more in depth other systems but i probably would run it in 5e like i'd, I'd take the basic srd rules and i'd twist things to suit my needs as like as I find them mm -hmm. just do sort of like an on the fly total conversion, however you needed it. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what I'm running. You know, I if I was trying to do a more accessible Star Wars RPG, actually, probably what I would do is go back to the D20 RPG Star Wars RPG system that was around in the late 90s, early 2000s. Mm hmm. Because as I understand it, that system was pristine and only required a little bit of home brewing to make really, really functional. I, I have vague memories of playing that uh, in the summers, like when I was after my freshman year of high school, I think I was a smuggler of some sort. <laughs> I don't know. What about you? What would what would you adapt if you were actually aren't you trying to create uh, your own kind of homebrew RPG system because a certain universe only has bad ones. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I've just been trying to figure out a better option for the Star Trek game because the Modifius Star Trek system is overly complicated. Like I shouldn't have to. 
I know more about Star Trek than I do about probably real world things. And for me to have to sit and study to try to figure out what exactly is going on with this system and how to run it, I don't think it's very good design. Uh, and also, I just I've told you this before. I hate dice pool systems. I think they're just it's just way too much. And I, I know that hurts your heart because you love you love that Star Wars system with the dice pool where oh, I'm rolling yes, like, I do. where I'm rolling like 50 dice to try to determine one thing. But I feel like like I'm not going to say that necessarily like Troika would be the system to use there, but it's really interesting and it's a D6 system and D6 systems are inherently pretty simple just because there's only so much you can do. Um, if I were going like right now, if I were going to adapt Star Trek, it would be in Troika, which I've actually kind of been working on a little bit. The way the way I've figured it is there. It really just requires like writing new like character archetypes for it that you could use. And those can all be tailored specifically to a player. We'll have to have like a whole separate conversation about this, but um, and then convert like magic to various science things or like Q continuum stuff or something like that. Uh, I think it's very doable. But again, that stems from my desire to have a system that is easy to learn and easy to teach and doesn't require any like real fancy equipment, like a, like a huge dice collection or anything like that. If you can build something with playing cards and six sided dice that everybody has, you're going to have a winner on your hands. I think that's totally fair. I think that's part of the appeal of a D20 system to me is that I want something where I have enough flexibility to where I can create a one or two sheet character sheet that has all the details they need where they can fill everything in as they go. And then you only need like four dice and you're good to go. Yeah. Did we get off track from our original point or are we still we still no, I think I think I think this is all pretty relevant to what we were talking about because we're talking about the the flexibility of D&D &D as a system uh the crunchiness of systems at large and then also kind of like how we run games to mm. not only inform the opinions that we have on the crunchiness of systems and how games should be run but then in turn like if we were someone trying to design something for one of these franchises where would we turn do you do you feel better now that you've gotten all this off your chest? Yeah, I feel I feel I feel a little more comfortable. All right. Having well, having vented this all out. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, this has been the Goblins and Growlers podcast. We are, you know, a, a fraction of Goblins and Growlers. Uh, <laughs> I'm Brandon Dingus at Way of Brandalore. I'm Josh Maltby at Black Cloak DM. Every time you say it like that, it makes it sound like we've gone rogue to do this podcast. <laughs> Oh, also uh, follow uh, follow our uh, actual play podcast, Quid Pro Roll at Quid Roll on Twitter. Hell yeah. Also listen to it. Google Quid Pro Roll and you'll find it. Yeah, it's pretty much on every podcatcher you could want to use. So mm -hmm. go for yeah. it. If you listen to it on Pandora, tweet us because we're trying to find you people. There's so many. There's so many of them, but I don't know who they are. Hey, folks, as a note, we're planning on releasing episodes of GGP bi-weekly for the time being. But we've got plenty of content to go weekly. We just don't have time. If we were able to get the Patreon a bit higher, we could pay a part-time audio engineer to edit these episodes for us and in turn bring you content every week. 
Go check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash goblinsgrowlers to see what that goal looks like. Thanks so much. 